0: Good morning good afternoon and good evening undying light listeners this is your host pastor alex and we've got another new episode for you as we continue our journey through the gospel of matthew we have um kind of chopped this up into smaller pieces as we unpack the beatitudes uh, and the sermon on the mount and look at all of these Uh, startling and striking commands from the Lord. And so we are trying to take what Jesus says here and uh, apply it and make it applicable in its proper view. Now, we could uh, take the approach of many of the Reformed circles that I've ran in and utilize these as a means to live your life and you should adhere to these rules and laws here that Christ gave you. But it would place too much of a heavy burden on people that this is what a Christian should look like. And those are some of the words I've often seen used. If you want to be a Christian, this is what it should look like. And you fulfill everything that Jesus says in these three chapters. However, realistically, we know it's not possible to do all of this. And so I, I would encourage you, if you haven't listened, go back and listen to the Beatitudes episode. We kind of set the tone for how we will be working through the Sermon on the Mount in that episode. Uh, and then last week we did the salt and light and we tapped on verse 17 for a few minutes and we're going to pick that up today and pick up at 17 and work on through, Uh, time-wise again, I'm just taking these small section by section because I don't want to, uh, just breeze through it and then shrug off something. I want to take as much time as needed to work on the text and explain it and kind of see how that you know, works on me as I'm explaining it to you. So that's the game plan. Uh, there will probably be this kind of construct really going forward. Uh, we won't be doing uh, full chapters like we have with the uh, profits because we could just easily work through that content quickly and they were not real long as we were just focusing on the minor profits. And but I but I feel with the the gospel account, it's it's so much more intricate, and the 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 conversations uh, are often interconnected, and so we see how from chapter to chapter that the same theme is moving along, or the same uh, discourse exp- like here five six and seven, uh, the same discourse is taking place, and and there's so much material, there's so much meat in this that. It, we would be doing a massive disservice had we taken all of chapter 5 one week, all of chapter 6 one week, and all of chapter 7 one week. And so really from 5 on to 28 in the Gospel of Matthew, we will be doing this in kind of truncated sections. And so we will work through a piece of text, see where we land on time. I try to keep these shows about 35 minutes or so and under. So if I get to that 27 or 8-minute mark and I think I can do another section, we might. Otherwise, we could even end it sooner. I have no, you know, time constraints or anything like that. I just don't want to do longer shows because I know, especially in today's kind of culture, it's it's tough to fit a whole hour in. And so, I want to reserve those for special, you know, guest conversations and you know, special promo episodes and things like that that we do. So, uh, just a quick reminder: if you have been listening to the show for a long time, we are obviously listener supported. So, if you could or would be willing to uh, support us, you can do it through various means. You can simply share this show on your social media pages. You can leave reviews on the podcasting apps that you use. You can give us stars. You can uh, share it with your church and congregation. Those are the easiest things that one can do to help support the show. The other aspect is you uh, can financially give to the show through Patreon or PayPal. Uh, You can DM me or send us an email And I can help you with that if you're looking to do like a PayPal setup. I believe we've got a link on our website, but that website's going to go away for a little bit um, as I'm kind of transitioning the face of the show uh, in the coming years. So a lot of things are happening in that bucket. We won't get into it too deep, but we do uh, offer a lot of perks for those who do support the show financially. You get early releases of the podcast. For instance, this show will release... Uh, the first week of December and it is, no, uh, November 22nd as I record this episode. Uh, I've considered doing a Chris, just a side note, I've considered doing a Christmas series. Um, but I've already really gone through the birthing narrative of John and Jesus in this series. So I don't necessarily know if I want to revisit that. Uh, we've done Christmas episodes in the past. I might consider doing a Christmas day episode, uh, which will drop on a Sunday and just a you know a five or ten minute show, nothing real long. But I'm considering that, so that could come down. So be on the lookout for that. But uh, for the patrons, you get early access to the podcast. You get exclusive podcasts. You get exclusive video content. You get chats, discourse, a Discord server. You get uh, sermon notes every week. You get any other work that I'm working on. And in fact, some of the things after I'm done with school... Uh, that I want to work on. I'd like to write a couple of books. I've got some ideas brewing in my head, so I'd love to formulate those and put them down. Patrons would get access to all of that, and they would have, you know, the ability to provide creative input. Even uh, I'm not opposed to um, people's constructive criticism. So those are huge things. Uh, as well as there's, you know, we do Bible study every Sunday night, exclusive for my church and patrons. You can join those you can we've gone through the book of mark romans and we have also picked up and we're doing a the life of jesus which is a harmony of the gospels and so we're looking at all four gospels uh, as they run together and so that's the current study and that's where we will be for probably a while so you can join us you can go back and watch the previous studies if you are a new patron subscriber Uh, Those are just some of the biggest things that help this show continue to produce episodes for you. And I try to give as much back to you as possible. So DM me if you have any questions. uh, Send us an email on dyinglightministries at gmail.com. And you can poke my brain about really anything if you'd want. I'm not opposed to anything. So that's that. Uh, Obviously, in the show notes, there's always the Logos Bible software that you can get a great copy of. Uh, it's what I use when I do the show you can check out some of the fitness things that I do I do have a fitness page on instagram I don't I post on it every day but you know it's just a a means by which I can continue to encourage myself to keep showing up at the gym every day and so I love fitness I love lifting weights I love exercising and eating right I feel better I feel more you know my head's clear I feel just like a whole nother person when I'm when I'm consistently in the gym and I'm consistently eating well. If I'm not, then I'm tired and lethargic and I'm grumpy and I just have this fog in my brain and I can't think, think straight and I can't process information. And obviously I can't, I could probably speak better then than I can now. I, my tongue's all messed up today. So check it out. If you have any questions, again, let me know, DM me, message me on Facebook, Instagram, whatever is your cup of tea. I have conversations on both platforms. So I'm willing to answer and I'm always an open book. So the text is, uh, Matthew five and we will begin with the 17th verse. And we've talked a little bit about it last week. So if you haven't yet listened to that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, but these episodes, you should be able to pick them up uh, individually and listen to them, even though I do like to carry the thread through them. So, uh, I always encourage you to not listen to this episode until you've listened to the previous episodes on Matthew. That way you, you see kind of the route we're taking, uh, by the time we get to the 17th verse in the fifth chapter. So here is what Matthew Records. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota or not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great. In the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Boy, that's, that's a tough block of text. Just those few verses. Uh, Jesus is not pulling back any punches. And he is just digging into uh, into the, the phariseutical aspects of the law. And he's really going after this notion um, because, if we recall, this is the earliest part of his ministry. And in that, he's still really digging into some of that Old Testament persona that has been a part of the Jewish life for a, few, for a number of centuries now. Going all the way back to Moses, where we see the law being given to Moses, and then that law being given to then Israel. Uh, the Israelites in the wilderness. And then that was used as the, this the foundation and the building blocks of the nation of Israel. Once uh, the judges came and then the Kings came and even after the deportations and the, uh, the destructions of the, of Jerusalem and of Israel being overran and captive by Babylon and the Assyrians and all these others, when they come back to Jerusalem, the first things that they will do is readdress and reread the law. And I, Nehemiah and Ezra both do this. They're fantastic little books uh, in the Old Testament. And they show us the the importance of reading and understanding the law. In fact, in Ezra, they talk about how they're standing in the street corner and they're preaching the law and then they're explaining it to people. Now, we know, looking back at this some 2,000 years after Jesus has spoken this sermon, and we have you know, the written manuscripts and we have all the, the compilations, if you would, of, of all the text of the New Testament. We have it all put together now in this nice little book we call the Bible. We can look back and, and see what Jesus is talking about and what he's referring to in the construct of the law. So we have this concept of law prophets and whether they were abolished or fulfilled or whether they are no longer relevant, uh, in the eyes of the Christian. Remember Jesus was a Jew and because he was a Jew, he, he fulfilled the law to its perfect fullness and did so because we couldn't and also in his life he takes our sin upon himself and becomes sin as the apostle paul writes and so in these two markers which is interesting he never commits a sin he fulfills the law perfectly but he becomes sin so that the wrath of god can be poured out upon him on the cross and those two things had to happen and they happen you know side by side throughout the ministry of jesus christ Jesus is perfectly obeying the law and he is then taking the sin upon himself and becoming sin each and every day little by little but he doesn't commit sin he he is simply becoming that and and there's you know an interesting theology if you would I, I really use air quotes on this uh, in the prosperity movement in the word of faith Todd White is a big proponent of this that Jesus was actually committing these sins in in our place You know, when he's the adulterer and he's the idolater and he's the liar and the thief and, you know, all these things. And and that to me is a very blatant misrepresentation of the text. It's really a poor handling because we know in order for Christ to fulfill his promises, he must have he must have fulfilled the requirements of the law, which is to not break any of the commandments. And so Jesus doesn't actively commit any sin. Any time of his life. He is perfectly obedient. And the text even tells us that he was perfectly obedient even onto death. And so even hanging on the cross, he was still perfectly obedient. And so in that obedience, that had to have happened in order for us to have the re- the, the requirement of the law to be essentially brushed aside and to be replaced by Christ. And in the ministry of Christ, as he goes about and fulfills forgives the sin he's taking those sins upon himself because now in the act of him forgiving the sin there still has to be a price paid for that sin he is taking that and he will pay that price and he will then go to the cross and die for those sins because death is the only payment that can satisfy the breaking of the law death is the only is the only thing that can satisfy the law. And so the law will always lead us to our death and to our sin. It reveals to us our sinful nature, but in Christ we have the perfect life and righteousness given to us. So when he says he did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, I've come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. That that perfectly is the settlement right there. He didn't come to do away with the law and then let essentially people just have free reign on life. No, the law is still in place to govern people and to keep people from committing heinous sins and to keep people in track with right living and righteous living. And so when he says, I came to fulfill the law, he's saying, I am the ultimate fulfillment of that. I am the promised Messiah, the promised seed that was given to Eve. I am the only one that can do this. Now, we can also say that because he was uh, fully man and fully God, the hyperstatic union of the two natures, the man and the in the nature of God, in one person, that because of that is the only reason he was able to actually fulfill the law. Because in the human flesh, as we are conceived into in sin, we are born with sin in our in our soul, in our hearts, and on our minds and our blood. It's we are born sinners. Christ, because he was uh, an immaculate birth, he was born to a virgin, and the Holy Spirit formed Christ in the womb of Mary, and because of Jesus having that happen, he is not, we could say, tarnished by the seed of man, corrupted by the seed of man, and so hes he doesn't have that passed on of the genes of sin from Joseph to him. In fact, He comes in the most perfect manner, born of a virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he has no sin in him. He is not tarnished by it. And so that is a huge piece for us to understand when we get to a text like this because it helps us to see how the law and the prophets are still have weight for the Jewish life. And remember, he's speaking to probably a, a, a crowd that is predominantly Jewish, there might have been some uh, Gentiles in this in this mix, but most of these people are going to be Jewish, and so the preaching of the law is front and center in their mind, because this is what they've heard their entire lives from the Pharisees: live in this manner, act in this manner, obey these laws, do not break the law, otherwise you will have to bring a sin offering. And you'll anger God and you may not make it to heaven type, you know, preaching. And so Jesus says that he didn't come to abolish this law. And anytime we read this in the New Testament, we are going to uh, assert that it's the Mosaic law, the Ten Commandments that Jesus is talking about, not the ceremonial law or any other type of uh, law given in the Old Testament, more or less in like Leviticus or anything like that, we are seeing just the Mosaic law as the front and center piece. Now, Jesus does get challenged by the Pharisees on other aspects uh, that would have fallen into other Levitical laws. And Jesus corrects them because the Levitical laws were kind of a combination of ways to obey the original 10. And so they were manner, or there are means by which one can see visually how one could uh, obey the Ten Commandments. For instance, uh, the one of the laws is that you shouldn't pluck more than three wheat heads on the Sabbath, otherwise you will not be honoring the Sabbath. And so if you pluck the three wheat heads, you broke that law, and then you broke the law of the Sabbath, because they're trying to provide some sort of tangible and realistic understanding to how... The Sabbath works and functions. And we will see in the Gospels here that Jesus actually asserts what the right meaning to uh, keep in the Sabbath really means. And he corrects the Pharisees on those aspects. And so, you know, he gets challenged on all these things. And it's interesting that they... Uh, always are focusing more on the traditions of of man they're focusing on what they've been taught and how to act in certain aspects but not what does the law say and what does god's word say and so jesus will always challenge and then flip that back over in their head so carrying on here for truly i say to you until heaven and earth pass away not an iota not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished uh so as he states this truly i say to you it's a the Greek for Amen can be used here. It's used 31 times by Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And this passing away is a referencing to the last judgment of the final day. And even the iota and the dot that he refers to that won't pass away until that moment, uh, they are the smallest markers of in the sacred text. They are they are the, the 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 tiniest little pieces that can be used in the sacred text. And so Jesus is saying not not a, a speck of dust is going to be shifted out of the law. Nothing will pass away until the heavens and the earth pass away. And this is kind of an interesting connection that we'll see here in verse 18 that will take us all the way to Matthew 24 and 25 when we see The heavens and the earth being passed away, they will be destroyed and the new heavens and the new earth will come. Sin will be eradicated. Judgment Day takes place. That is what Jesus is pointing us to here in verse 18. Uh, The Messiah's work, uh, once this is all accomplished, this is his death, his resurrection and his return. So the fulfillment of all that is accomplished is the focusing on Christ. We already have his death. We already have his resurrection. Now we're waiting on that third piece, the return of Christ for his people. Moving on to verse 19. Therefore, whoever relaxes this, this is an interesting verse. By teaching that the commandments are no longer applicable in their fullness, there is error of the scribes and the Pharisees. And this is even kind of true in the church today because I find Some people in the Protestant movement will say, well, we don't need to adhere to the Ten Commandments because they weren't uh, ever given to us and they weren't directed towards us. They were only given to the Jews and so only those of Jewish heritage should have to listen and obey those laws. Well, if we take what Paul writes in Romans 1 and understand what he means when he says the, the moral law has been written on the hearts of the Gentiles, that is a connecting piece to the Ten Commandments being written on our hearts. We, as Gentiles, know it is wrong to murder, it is wrong to steal, it is wrong to cheat. And now as Christians, we understand that we should have no other gods before God. We shouldn't take his name in vain. We shouldn't uh, disobey the Sabbath. We, uh, you you know, whatever else we want to assert to that. Of the Ten Commandments, we understand that these are a means by which we can live our life. They do not pass away. We cannot make any one stronger or weaker than the other, they are all set in stone as a means by which a person should live their life, obeying God in the first three and obey and, and loving man in the last seven. And so those are the two tables of the law, God, and man. Jesus tells us later on when he's asked what the greatest commandment is, and he says to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That. Right there is the fulfillment of all of the Ten Commandments. We are obeying God and we are loving our neighbor. But there are the troubles of those who do relax these commandments or they'll teach that some are more heinous than others and you'll get a stronger punishment for those. And uh, when he makes this reference that if you do this, then you'll be the least of these, he's saying that no such false teacher or any false teacher for that matter, will not be excluded from God's kingdom, but will have a lesser status. And as you know, I've made a couple videos on Instagram and things like that, and I've had long conversations with people. This is only something we'll understand when we're in heaven. We, we, we do not or cannot comprehend different statuses or levels or, you know, if, if people have more of a blessed state than others, but the false teacher in this essence won't be excluded from heaven. This isn't a means by which one is cast into the pits of hell, but it can quickly become of that because they're not, they're not, you know, telling you to not obey the law. They're just, they're just relaxing some of the law. They're just, they're just saying, ah, uh, you know, you don't have to honor your parents. You can be, you know, it's okay that you 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 know got mad at your mom and dad or, hey eh, you know you stealing's bad but you know murdering people is a lot worse so thankfully you didn't murder somebody you know and so they try to kind of put put uh, a tier system on the Ten Commandments saying that this or that is worse than this or those and so it's not a direct violation of Scripture according to what Jesus is stating here he is just asserting that in heaven there will be you know, statuses because he tells you that these people will be in heaven. If they weren't, then he would say something else, but he says that they will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. So they will be kind of like the bottom rung. Like they'll have just squeaked in by the skin of their teeth. Like they just barely made it. And he goes on to say that whoever does teach them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So preachers who, adhere to a proper law-gospel distinction, understanding the law, teaching the law, and giving the gospel, they will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And we'll see. just have to wait and see how that unfolds for us on the final day. Verse 20 is our final verse here in this section. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, This is a interesting statement because he you would have to have your righteousness exceed in the law in order to be better than the scribes and the Pharisees. You would have to obey the law perfectly and fulfill the law perfectly in order to be better than the scribes or the Pharisees. So what Jesus is saying, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that, then you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. What this is indicating is the acknowledgement that one can't do it. Possibly. We already talked about how Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. He came to fulfill. Them. And because of his death and resurrection, we now have his righteousness imputed onto us. And so the true righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees is only from Christ. Those that, that is <clears throat> the cleanest I can probably make it. That when, because of the death and resurrection of Christ, that righteousness has been imputed onto us. And because of that, we have the ability to enter the kingdom of heaven. Without Christ, no amount of good works will ever exceed the righteousness needed to get into heaven. We will not have the ability to climb that ladder based upon our good works, our good actions, our good morals, and make it into heaven. So the scribes and the Pharisees read and study the law of the prophets because we will see how over the coming passages here in the Gospel of Matthew and as we'll look at some others probably through this this long series that we'll be in, uh, they, they, are, they are experts in the law. They, they know the law front, back, sideways, upside down. But they they don't understand its application, and Jesus shows us the right meaning to which they are to understand the law. In fact, in the next uh, section, uh, we will see, uh, if we can get to it here, Well, we've got anger which is coming up. and this is a great one uh, because Jesus is asserting that, just because you haven't murdered somebody doesn't mean you haven't violated that commandment. And so we will see how it is a picture of the heart is which we will under, we will have to to see whether we violate you know a certain commandment or not. You know that first verse in 21 there it says you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. And then he goes on to say that if you've been angry with your brother you have committed murder you have killed that person in your heart and so that's a massive violation and but that's the 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 beginning of us to realize the impossibility of us keeping the law they say we haven't done it but yet we fail to adhere to the law perfectly and so the pharisees and scribes are experts and they make these pompous and arrogant claims that they've never violated Scripture, and Jesus twists that back on their head and shows them how they have, in fact, violated Scripture. So they cannot uh, accept the fact that Scripture cannot be broken, as John 10.35 states. Uh, This is what John writes. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, the Scripture cannot be broken. But they do not believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of scriptures, John 5.39 states. They seek to achieve righteousness by keeping the law, for which they have a high regard. But Jesus goes on to point out just how uh, defective their righteousness really is. Christ takes the law into his hands and explains it spiritually. When judged by the true intent of God's law, a righteousness is likewise defective. Only in Christ do we have true righteousness. So it's a great section on just understanding law and gospel really because we will stu- we will soon see how this will unpack and give us that very notion of what it means to be in violation of the law and how do we uh, adhere to that? How can we prevent ourselves from that? But more importantly, By receiving the gospel, that is when we are free from the law. We have been given this beautiful gift that shows us that it was Christ who perfectly obeyed the law when we couldn't. And when we repent on a daily basis, we are given the forgiveness of sin, the assurance that our sins are forgiven, the assurance of salvation. We are reminded of this when we attend a divine worship. We are reminded of this when we participate in the Lord's Supper, that our sins are forgiven. And that is because of the work that Christ has done. So that's going to wrap up today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in. A short little trunk of text here, just a few verses, but uh, exceptionally powerful ones and ones that can often be met or twisted in the wrong way. So next week we will probably uh, cruise through a few of these. We've got anger, lost, divorce, oaths, retaliation, love your enemies, and all that coming up next. We might do a few of these uh, in the next week's episode, and then we'll kind of continue on doing a couple of them at a time until we get through uh, Chapter 5 and into 6 and 7. And so, like I said, we are looking at doing this section by section and not chapter by chapter, even though the first four chapters were done you know, individually, we did kind of a set up Matthew one and, and paired that with Luke, uh, as we talked through the uh, narrative of the birth of Christ and the birth of John the Baptist. And we, we kind of set that stage for how Matthew will, will, will be. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you guys are enjoying this series. If you are, as I said in the beginning of the show, please send us, uh, reviews, remind, uh, and share us on your social media platforms, chat with us, I love to talk with you all, so I hope you guys are having a great week. It is Friday by the time I will air this episode, so Sunday's right around the corner. Get to church. It is the season of Advent, and so I pray that, that your church is d- walking through a text that will be a beautiful story in the unfolding of the birth of Christ. That is that, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great week. We'll see you later. God bless.